ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Srimad Bhagavad Gita as it is translation and commentary by His Divine Grace AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Chapter 18 text 20 Sarva bhuteshu yenaikam Sarva bhuteshu yenaikam bhavam avyayam ikshate अविभक्तम विभक्तेशु तज्ज्ञानम विधि सात्विकम ट्रांसलेशन दैट नॉलेज बाय व्हिच वन अनडिवाइडेड स्पिरिचुअल नेचर इज सीन इन ऑल लिविंग एंटिटीज दो दे आर डिवाइडेड इनटू इन्यूमरेबल फॉर्म्स यू शुड अंडरस्टैंड टू बी इन द मोड ऑफ गुडनेस Purport, a person who sees one spirit soul in every living being whether a demigod human being animal bird beast aquatic or plant possesses knowledge in the mode of goodness in all living entities one spirit soul is there although they have different bodies in terms of their previous work as described in the 7th chapter the manifestation of the living force in every body is due to the superior nature of the supreme lord thus to see that one superior nature that living force in every body is to see in the mode of goodness that living energy is imperishable although the bodies are perishable differences are perceived in terms of the body because there are many forms of material existence in conditional life the living force appears to be divided such impersonal knowledge is an aspect of self realization In this section of Bhagavad Gita Lord Krishna describes the knowledge of people in different modes of nature now I may say well how can knowledge be in different modes of nature because knowledge is independent of the modes of nature knowledge is that which is known just like 2 plus 2 equals 4 whether you are in the mode of goodness passion or ignorance so what is it it's not it's neither in the mode of goodness passion or ignorance it's just a statement this so here we can understand knowledge to mean what people think they know or their outlook just like someone uh may say i ah uh, so many things um There are so many people who just know that Jesus will save them by him, and everyone else will go to hell except those who believe this. They know, they're convinced. Uh, I know this is the right girl for me and I can only be happy if I marry her and then a few years later after they marry and then they divorce. So you know the feeling that I, I know. this is this is correct. but the conviction and reality may be different um in the mode of ignorance 
One is attached to one kind of work as the all-in-all without knowledge of the truth and which is very meager is said to be in the mode of darkness. Better than that is that knowledge by which one sees that in every different body there is a different type of living entity. That's better. It's also wrong, but it's somewhat more developed. Uh, There's some philosophizing is going on. And in the mode of goodness, one's, the person has got it right to some extent. That there is an, an all-pervading oneness. It's correct to some extent. You may say, well, what's, what's that? Why is it in the mode of goodness? Is, is this impersonalism? Because that's, uh, spiritual impersonalism. Why is that? Because that's not a very high level. That, that, that's, uh, that's not God realization in the, in the full and proper form. Well, that's true. It's in the mode of goodness. It's in the modes of material nature. <laughs> uh, we just read a purport the other day in which I, I read it during the class in which Srila Prabhupada said the, the concept of God simply being very powerful as an order supplier and the idea of impersonal oneness these are both materially tinged, even though there's a concept of God or a concept of a personal God or some, some idea of a personal God and the idea of an impersonal oneness, they're materially tinged. They're not completely pure. So here, the knowledge in the mode of goodness, it's the beginning of spiritual knowledge. But it's not really escaped, it hasn't fully escaped from the material understanding. Therefore, Due to the offense, actually, of neglecting to worship Krishna's lotus feet, persons who come to the level of impersonal realization with great difficulty may become liberated but they fall down from that position. It means that in the mode of goodness they see that this world is miserable. In the mode of passion people are very interested to enjoy this world. They see a different kind of living being in different bodies. For instance, they may see, well, uh, we are Jewish and we are the chosen people and they're, they're also living beings, but they're different. We're, we're a different kind of people altogether. Or the, the, the idea of the chosen people. We are the Christians. We are chosen by God. And the others will all burn in hell. Or, or the, the, in the mode of passion, one desires to enjoy this material world, but in the mode of goodness, one sees that actually this world is miserable and cultivation of material desire, that leads to suffering, so we should not cultivate material desire. They got many of the preliminary points of spiritual knowledge correct. It's not actually spiritual knowledge, but... It is uh, a spiritual perspective on the material world. Otherwise, the, it's not knowledge of spiritual existence, but it's uh, a perspective on material existence which is above that 
of most people in the world who are simply trying to enjoy it. So it's definitely a much higher level than that of the mode of passion. I want to speak of the mode of ignorance. Uh, and a person with great difficulty, if they they have no spiritual knowledge of Krishna and they have no particular interest in developing that, but they may be interested in becoming free from this material world, it's not easy if you don't have a taste for Krishna consciousness uh, because the nature of the living being is to enjoy and there's no particular... Enjoyment means via the senses, either spiritual or material, but they have no information of spiritual senses. And so their whole program is negative, denying material existence. And although they may speak of Brahmananda, it's nothing really much except just the relief from being uh, out of material existence. It's the, the kind of relief you get if if someone says, "I'm now going to, I'm now going to make give you an experience of great satisfaction." But first of all, you just have to wait for 20 seconds. And during that 20 seconds, I'll beat you viciously. And after that, I'll stop. And then you can feel great satisfaction that now you stop getting beaten. The, the, the relief, ah, oh, what a... Whew. Just just let me do something for 20 seconds. And then after that, you will feel a, a great feeling of, ah, oh, now things are much better so it's it's a fool, it's a fool's happiness actually this impersonal liberation it's not for people who are very, somewhat intelligent intelligent enough to see that this material world is is miserable but not intelligent enough to understand that prastasmatu bhavanyo vyakto vyaktat sanatana yasya sarveshu bhuteshu nashyatsu navinashyati that beyond this world of birth and death, which is created and destroyed, there is a sanatan dharma, an eternal abode, uh, which exists uh, eternally, and it's full of bliss. But they're, they're not intelligent enough to accept that, or they're not purified enough. Therefore, they're called avishuddha. They have avishuddha buddhya. They're Consciousness is purified to some extent, but not fully. They should the buddhi, in the sense that they're not cultivating material desire, but not avi. It's it's avishuddha. It's not fully purified. Uh, so uh, this we can understand also from the understanding that this material world is a perverse reflection of the spiritual world. So, the mode of goodness is the highest part of, the highest level of material existence. So, if you just, it's at the threshold of the material and the spiritual. So, if you just look up a little bit, uh, go a little bit further, then you just come to the entrance of the spiritual world, which is the uh, undifferentiated. Uh, and then you think, well, no, this is spiritual. Well, it is spiritual, but not much. <laughs> uh, so what does that mean? That means that in the, if this mature world is a perverted reflection, then 
this material world, as, as is stated in the uh, 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, and uh, that idea is given there, um, then there is activity in the spiritual world. There are friends, families, cooking, enjoying, but the, the, those who have, by their own analysis, come to the understanding that this material world is miserable, they have analyzed what are the causes of those misery. The cause of the misery is friends, family, uh, eating, everything. So they, they just try to, and they think that, they try to stop all these things, and they think the highest level is to become detached from family life, and stop eating, and uh, which may be a symptom of a, an advanced person. We find the six Goswamis of Vrindavan are described as Nidrahara Vihara Kadi Vijita. They are they are conquered over eating, sleeping, and uh, attempts to enjoy this world. Uh, that may be a symptom of a spiritually advanced person, but it's not in and of itself the symptom of a spiritually advanced person because there are many elderly people who just lying on a bed for years just in between living and dying and they practically give up eating and sleeping also or at least eating they may sleep a lot and they don't they don't engage in activities for material enjoyment so but that doesn't mean they're liberated from it just means that they're uh, Suffering, actually, in that condition. It doesn't mean that they're spiritually advanced. So, if we think that spiritual advancement is simply to withdraw from this world, it's not really spiritual at all. It's, it's an in-between situation. One is, it's just like the child who's naughty in the class. Gurukul boys listening here. Uh, they may be told to stand in the corner with their hand on their head, something like this, and with their back, their face facing the wall. Uh, so if they do that, they stand there and keep quiet. So they're not really doing anything positive or good for themselves or anyone else, but at least they're not causing any trouble. That's the idea. So impersonal liberation is something like that. In this material world, everyone is envious and they're causing trouble for each other. And impersonal liberation means, okay, just shut up and keep quiet. That's all. <laughs> but real, or like being in a prison, this material world is compared to a prison. So in the prison, you you can't do or at least you're restricted from doing harm to others. But you can't do good for others either. Or you can't interact with others. This is a material example. Uh, you're just restrained. But actually the spiritual world is a world of activity, but that activity because envy is absent. And because Krishna consciousness is present, there's much activity. It is the world of spiritual enjoyment. And this world is the world of material enjoyment. Material enjoyment leads to suffering. So the impersonalists, or those in the mode of goodness, conclude 
that, oh, enjoyment leads to suffering. Okay, we'll stop enjoying and then we'll stop suffering also. That example Srila Prabhupada gave is given by the previous Acharyas. You have a pain in your eye and then someone comes along and says, I'll stop the pain in your eye forever. There'll be some more pain for a little time, but then it will stop forever. And then he just gouges your eye out. And there's some more pain, but then it heals and there's no more pain in the eye. But you can't see with it either. So in the same way, impersonalists think that, well, this material world is full of suffering, so we'll go through some austerities for some time, and then we'll be released from it. But it's not the proper solution. The proper solution is to be cured and you can see properly. So uh, the idea of the impersonal, this is what Buddha was supposed to have uh, realized by his own analysis. That by seeing the world, oh, this world is miserable. Just by his own analysis. So that's possible in the mode of goodness to see that. To see that birth, death, old age, and disease is suffering. Just to see that is etajjanam. This is knowledge, Krishna says. This is one of the factors of knowledge. But that's not in and of itself fully mature spiritual knowledge, but it's the preliminary knowledge by which one can uh, enter into, one can go further and enter into spiritual knowledge and spiritual life. Somewhat analogous to uh, arithmetic, you you can't really call it mathematics, but yeah, it is in one sense, but not really. If, if you say, if you uh, meet someone and you say, "Well, uh, what have you studied?" He says, "Mathematics." Oh, really? Uh, uh, trigonometry, geometry? No, I learned uh, times table. Two times two equals four. Three times three equals nine. Six times six equals thirty. So you know, I know the times table. That's all. That's a, That's what they call it. Multiplication. You learn. We, at least at school, I had to learn everything. One, one times up to ten or twelve, and then up to twelve times. You just had to learn. So without thinking, you just say it. Do you know it? But I still have to think sometimes, just like 7 times 12 equals 84. I had to think for half a second. Uh, yeah, it's 84. <laughs> um, but that's not really mathematics. But still, it's something. Yeah, you can say it's me. It's... Integral to, well, you have to be careful when you use the word integral when you turn out mathematics. Uh, it is intrinsic to mathematics, because then you get integral calculus and all this kind of thing. Um, but it's not really, you can't really say that someone's knowledgeable in mathematics if they can tell you that 7 times 12 equals 84. It's not really considered... If you want to be generous, you could say, well, they know something, but it's not really very much. So, uh, better on spiritual knowledge, real spiritual knowledge begins with understanding not only that material enjoy, 
not only that enjoyment in this world is illusory, but that there is real enjoyment in the spiritual world. There is a spiritual world where enjoyment is real. Material enjoyment comes from rajoguna, karma, desire, fulfill, the interaction of the senses with the sense objects. And spiritual enjoyment comes from shuddha sattva. The, the, the sattva guna means to come to the zero position. Uh, that when it's, if material enjoyment means suffering, that means we're in the negative position. And to come to the position where we're no longer engaged in material enjoyment, we're just still, silent, stabdamiva. Ah. Just like a tree, something like that. It's actually somewhat analogous to tamagun. Um, but that, that's the neutral position. Then the positive position is to engage in enjoyment without suffering. And uh, people who don't have knowledge of that, they think, well, well that, who don't have actual spiritual knowledge, they think, well, that's possible if you yourself become God. Because in the material world, when we try to enjoy, we're thwarted all the time. We're trying to be the controller. But when we try to control others, they try to control us back. And therefore, suffering is produced. But if I could become God, then then I could really enjoy. So, uh, that way of thinking, although they may not uh, fully uh, think it all out, what's the word for that? They, they, they may not fully formulate this idea, but that's the idea of the materialist, that, that let me become just like God, let me become the controller. So, and we find in personalists also, they... They, they often think that, well, I, be, I become God. By the impersonal method, I, I've risen above everyone else. So I'm as, I'm God. I'm above all of you. So I must be God. But the proper understanding is that we are tiny little beings, which shouldn't be very difficult to understand. But it is for materialistic people, because it's too horrible for them to accept that I'm not the center of the universe, I'm not the supreme enjoyer. The, the thought of it is is just too horrible for them. And not only am I not, but I can never be also. So then they thought, and better just merge into some oneness. Than <laughs> so it's, it may be sattva gun, but some admixture of En- or underlying envy of Krishna remains, but the Shuddha Sattva, Sattvam Vishuddham Vasudeva Shabditam. This, this is the uh, position of Vasudev, the, the uh, fully pure position, who uh, he actually appears to give birth to Krishna, Vasudev, the father of Krishna. His mood of service to Krishna is intense. So he's able to take that position. So the, the completely pure position is that of intense enjoyment. Rajagun, when we find Rajagun is intense, and generally it's very intense anyway. In ignorance, 
people are just withdrawn into ignorance. And in goodness, people are withdrawn, but with some knowledge of the material condition. Rajagun means intense activity. So in the spiritual world, it's intense also. There are no vacations from Krishna consciousness. It's all the time intense service to Krishna or to Vishnu in Vaikuntha or Rama in Ayodhya. Uh, so that is uh, reflected, the, the situation of the spiritual world of service to Krishna is reflected in this material world as the attempt to enjoy this world. So I may say that, well, uh, well, Rajagun, that's the position of enjoyment, but that's not the highest position in this material world. The Sattvagun is the highest. So, uh, maybe they're, maybe they're right when you see this poster of the material world. That was the first Golok chart I saw at Hindustan Motors in approximately 1979. They had a picture of the material world of the 14 planetary systems and above that is Vaikuntha, above that is Ayodhya, above that is Radha and Krishna and above that is Om with a light coming out of it. So maybe they're right. You see this, if the material world is a reflection of the spiritual world and the spiritual world is full of activity and that's reflected in this world as Rajagun, then uh, it should be that in the spiritual world, the highest position is just merging. But no, the highest position is the lowest position in this world, is the mode of ignorance. So, in this, in Vrajadham, in Krishna's Vrindavan Dham, there are all kinds of activities which decent, respectable enjoyers of this world would not accept as being proper. Such as, uh, a man mixing up with the wife of someone else. That's not proper. In a materialistic enjoy, they may be, but they, they have a sense of what is right and what... In Rajagun, there's a sense of what is right and what is wrong. Uh, there, there is... Uh, the human civilization develops on Rajaguna. And there's a sense of right and wrong. That people cooperate to some extent uh, for the sake of helping each other to enjoy. And there is a sense of right and wrong. And there is dharma in Rajaguna. In Tamaguna there is also, but it's... Uh, then you get, uh, what is that? Pratan, Bhutans, Ganang, Chaiva, worshipping ghosts and spirits. Uh, there's, there's no real sense of dharma. But in Rajaguna there is a sense of dharma that what is right and what is wrong. and We all follow this and we're all good citizens and we, and we don't do anything very bad and we all cooperate together too so we can enjoy each other. That's right. In America there's this idea that this is the most advanced civilization in history because uh, we have given the best opportunity to everyone to, for, to pursue personal happiness. This is the idea. Everyone's allowed to pursue their own personal happiness and we're we have the constitution and this and that and so that everyone can pursue personal happiness without harming others. And there's this idea as, as long as you don't harm others then whatever you do it's okay. 
but they don't know what is dharma, so they, they don't know the subtle laws of nature, so harming others, that means it doesn't matter if you torture and kill millions of cows and chickens and so on, because uh, even though they don't believe in the Bible, but they've inherited the Christian idea, well, it doesn't say that in the Bible, they don't believe, they may or may not believe in Christianity, but in even the atheists have inherited the idea, or the non-Christians have inherited the idea from Christianity, that the animals are just there for us to exploit and enjoy, and animals can't suffer because they don't have souls. So in this, in Vrindavan, the ordinary rules don't work. They are, or they don't apply. There's some idea of them, otherwise there wouldn't be any fun in breaking them. <laughs> That's where the fun comes from. Krishna, Krishna himself, he comes to this world and demonstrates that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead by one of the ways he does that is to show his might, his majesty, his grandeur, his universal form, his killing the demons, his speaking Bhagavad Gita. But other ways he does that are to incite Yudhishthir to lie, to tell Arjuna to kill, Arjuna, to kill Karna uh, in a way which is apparently beyond dharma, and uh, similarly with the killing of Drona, and uh, Krishna can lie and st stealing, he's very famous as a thief, he does all things which are wrong, according to this world, but Krishna is beyond this world, if anyone else did that, this kind of thing, they would be considered to be uh, below the platform of civilization, which means below the platform of Raja Guna, but Krishna is above the platform. This is a very important distinction to understand, because the non-understanding of this has historically, within the last 500 years, led to the downfall of Vaishnavism, so that uh, the Vaishnavas in Bengal had a reputation, I just came to understand by reading a book which was written by a Christian missionary in India uh, around the uh, turn of the, the end of the 18th century, that means... Uh, no, no, so the, the end of the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century. In, he was based in Machalipatnam, in, in what is now Andhra Pradesh, I think it was part of the Madras presidency at the time. Um, or maybe not that early, it was Madras presidency. But anyway, he, he, he was writing about different groups in India, the, the English were fascinated by the Indians, they couldn't work them out at all, except to say that they're barbarians, that's, that's all they could understand about the Indians, because... They presumed if, if one is not English, and especially if one's not a Christian, he, he must be a barbarian. So anyway, even at that place, which is a long way away from Bengal, he wrote about the Vaishnavas in Bengal, who are known to be very degraded, particularly sexually. So this idea that, well, we're above all the modes of nature, we're above dharma, we're Vaishnavas, we don't have anything to do with that. Well, actually, that is the position of Krishna. Krishna is above, and he can do whatever he likes, however he likes. Not just that he's free from the he's free from the modes of nature, and he can, he can do what he likes in the sense that some may say, "Well, I'll do whatever I like. I don't care what anyone says. I'll do whatever I like." But you can't do whatever you like. 
You can't lift a mountain, for instance, like Krishna does. Uh, you can uh, you can defy the rule, the traffic rules, and drive your motorbike at 150 kilometers an hour through the center of this of a bazaar. You can maybe do that, uh, and then you can say, "I'm doing what I like." There, are there, but there are severe limits in what we can do, what we like, uh, because we're not. Uh, Omnipotent. We don't have complete power. But Krishna can do what he likes. But in the other way also, Krishna can uh, break the, apparently break the rules of civilized society. But when Krishna does so, that be, because he can do whatever he likes in the other way also, therefore when he does whatever he likes in that way, in, in because he can do whatever he likes in terms of lifting hills and uh, making the sun appear to set in the battle when um, Jayadrata was to be slain and then uh, all the battle stopped and everyone stood still and thought, oh, okay, now Arjuna has to enter into the fire and in the meantime, the sun is up in the sky still and meanwhile everyone's... <laughs> already stopped and, and, and relaxed and Krishna says, okay, Arjuna, charge! And he just charged past all the armies who are completely unexpecting everything. So Krishna can do things like make these, change the course of the sun. Now, can we imagine if the sun was suddenly to stop, the, the whole universe would be completely, it would just, everything, even if it stopped for one kshana. I'm just listening to the a measurement of time in the Bhagavatam being recited. So, Kshana is a, it's a short time. Uh, there are shorter times, but it's, it's translated as a moment. But even for a moment, if it was to stop, the whole universal order would be totally destroyed. But Krishna does it, and I guess he adjusts everything else too. So Krishna can do what he likes that way, and keep everything in order. And Krishna can do whatever he likes in the way of apparently defying the rules of civilized society. And he keeps everything in order, still. That's Krishna's prerogative. But if we think that, oh, okay, I'm a Vaishnava, so I don't have to follow all these things because I'm on the spiritual platform. But it doesn't, it doesn't work. Because we're not Krishna. We're, Krishna does so for the sake of his own enjoyment. One thing he demonstrates that he's independent, unique, and, uh, well, maybe that may be part of his enjoyment also, that people in their sense of propriety is outraged that how can he dance with others' wives. Then, then the Vaishnavas have to come and say, well, actually, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer of everyone and everything, and it's not that Krishna's immoral, it's the people who think that their wife is their wife and not for Krishna to enjoy. They are immoral, actually. The Vaishnavas have to explain. But if the Vaishnava thinks that, well, uh, this is someone else's wife, but I'm preaching to them, and uh, then I'm just like their guru, and they should serve me uh, according to my desire, then it becomes a very dangerous situation. <laughs> And then one, uh, one is already fallen thinking like that, and then one, when one engages 
the wife of someone else in one's personal service in a very intimate way, then the whole of uh, Vaishnavism gets a bad name. It's not Vaishnavism. It's a, it's a misapplication of Krishna's. What 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 is Krishna's sole prerogative to be the supreme enjoyer? It's a misapplication. The Vaishnava may do something which is not allowed or, or not considered proper according to society in general. He may do so for the service of Krishna. Just like here in this area, the, the Alvas, the Tirvamangai Alva, he is worshipped up to the present day for having engaged uh, a gang of thieves, for uh, stealing, uh, organized robbery, uh, organized an army to go and to go and defeat the Buddhists and capture their, steal the big golden deity of Buddha and melted it down. And you can still have darshan of that melted down gold at, at the dome of Sri Rangam. So that you can do, but that's also not recommended for everyone in all place, times, places, and circumstances. But a Vaishnava can do such things if one's actually completely on the transcendental platform and completely doing it for the pleasure of Krishna. But if that is attempted by anyone less than a perfect devotee, and even a perfect devotee generally won't do such things, only if there's some emergency situation he may do. But a misunderstanding, if one tries to act in such a way and such a manner that one is not fit for, that's called adhikaralangham or overstepping one's eligibility. That is the cause of fall down. So, uh, Sattvagun, that is focused on detachment from this material world. But without understanding this, the nature of the spiritual world, it can only go as far as impersonalism. So that's why we, we may be surprised that, oh, knowledge in the mode of goodness, that leads to impersonalism, yeah? Unless there's knowledge of anything higher, that will only bring us to impersonalism. And the more we go up in the spiritual world, the more personal it becomes. Uh, that is apparent from the narration of Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Gopakumar, he goes to Vaikuntha and there's love there of Narayan, but it's a very formal kind of love. <laughs> when he uh, goes, to, he's told he won't give up his dress as a cowherd boy, which is inappropriate. If you, just like if there's some someone from the cowherd caste today, this is a rough example, they have to go and meet, somehow or other they get some uh, opportunity to go to the governor's house and meet the governor of Tamil Nadu, uh, they wouldn't be expected to go in there, the dress that they go and herd the cows with. They'd have to put on something more like, or, or which closely resembles that which uh, the, the governor wears. Uh, it's considered respectable dress. But Gopal Kumar said, no, I, I like this dress. <laughs> And he was warned, well, when you meet Narayan, whatever you do, don't embrace him. 
And when he saw him, immediately he, he spontaneously ran to him, praying. He was stop, don't do that. He said, you can have darshan of him, but you can bow down and offer prayers. That is correct. But he didn't fit in there very well, so they sent him off to Ayodhya. It's more personal. Then he went to Dwaraka, and still something not right. And then when he reached to uh, Raja, the land of the, the pasturing grounds where Krishna is, fully personal. And then uh, Krishna embraced him. So, Vrindavan Dham, that is manifested in this material world, and that is, uh, is original, which is, uh, what is manifested in the material world is non-different from the original, but that is the land of full enjoyment. And that enjoyment is sense enjoyment. <laughs> but the whole, the sense enjoyment means one is happy by seeing Krishna, tasting Krishna, touching Krishna, but more happy, the, the sense of enjoyment is not perverted in the sense that one one's enjoyment comes more from seeing Krishna enjoy. One is happy to see Krishna enjoying, tasting, touching, tasting, smelling, hearing. So all arrangements are made for Krishna's enjoyment. Uh, instead of thinking myself the enjoyer, there's all nice music for Krishna, nice food for Krishna, uh, arrangements are made for Krishna to unite with his lovers and his most beloved, and uh, they're dancing with Krishna, fighting with Krishna, but everything, the fighting of friends, but... Uh, Yeah, that Krishna is the center. Let, how he will enjoy. And in this material world, Rajaguna, the idea is let me enjoy. And then you can never be happy because there's, there's no happiness for the living being. Out, there's no actual happiness outside of the happiness of Krishna. In Tamagun, uh, some extreme manifestations of Tamagun are, are depression, feeling like you want to die, suicidal tendencies, is when one becomes extremely frustrated and disappointed and depressed. So in the, in the uh, spiritual, in, in Vrindavan also, feelings of separation from Krishna, one feels that without Krishna, Aslishabhav, no, 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 this is Yugayatam Nimeshena Chakshusha Pravrishayat, Shunyayatam Jagat Sarvam Govinda Virahename. Whatever, there may be so many things in the whole world which are offered for our enjoyment, but they give us no happiness. Can give us no happiness out of the feeling of separation from Krishna. Or Adarshanan, Marmahatam. We feel Marmahata means we feel uh, hurt right to the right to our bones and even inside our bones we feel it's a very deep feeling of of uh, hurt so a devotee feels that by not seeing krishna but that feeling of depression to this to this sense that we may 
we feel like there's life is it's just not worth living. But that in the spiritual existence, that is the highest level, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to demonstrate that the highest ecstasy is the uh, ecstasy of love for feelings for Krishna in separation. So that is the very, very highest level. And the lowest level in this world is just the opposite, the bottom of Tamagun. There are some manifestations of Tamagun which don't belong at all in the spiritual world. There's the uh, Vrita Hingsa. It's also described in Bhagavatam as one of the symptoms of Kali Yoga. Meaningless violence. That is a symptom of uh, Tamaguna. So uh, we just take pleasure in seeing others in pain. But the... Uh, so there's no giving pain to others, but that is a perverted reflection of in the spiritual world where the, the highest pleasure is taking pleasure in giving others pleasure, and specifically Krishna, and specifically Radha and Krishna. So there are some thoughts about this. This could be, this theme could be uh, investigated more. Maybe in your Golok chat presentation you could... I'm sure if you go deep... Anything, if you go into it, you'll find more and more and more and more and more. It's good to think about these things and meditate on these things so that... Uh, that uh, What is that? Yadrishi, Yadrishi, Shraddha, Siddhya Bhavati Tadrishi. By uh, understanding these things and entering into into these matters then we eventually attain to that state of existence. That's a rough translation of Yadrashi, Yadrashi, Shraddha, Siddhir Bhavati Tadrashi. Hare Krishna, any questions, please? No, all right. Hare Krishna. All glories to His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srimad Bhagavad Gita, as it is, ki jai. Shri Shri Gaur Ki jai.